I'm so incredibly passionate about what life does to women when they become moms that I couldn't quite possibly not do a podcast on the four essential parts of what I did to survive my first year of motherhood, not only the first time around, but also the second time around. I am unbelievably passionate about postpartum. I spent so much time in my first pregnancy really looking at what life was going to be like after I gave birth, and I did the same thing my second time around. I think there's such a disconnect between growing and birthing and then coming home and actually knowing what to do with this small human. I remember with my first baby thinking, I'm going to stay in the hospital as long as I possibly can because... I don't know how to bring a human home and take care of it. And I even had a super supportive mom and super supportive friends. I had a great community. But when you are left to your own devices in the middle of the night and during the day, and you know that your husband's going to go back to work and all of your visitors, once they get that feel-good hug and first look at your little new human, they're all going to leave you to... And it's like, what in the world do I do? And with your first baby, obviously you're going into a world where you've never been before. Like you are entering into motherhood. And then with your second baby, it's like, oh, well now I have two humans to take care of. And how in the world do I manage two small humans? I have to take care of another human while I take care of a another human. Like it's not just one human you have to take care of. It's this brand new teeny tiny life and then another one. And let's just say I stopped there. (laughs) I was like, okay. And I've heard that, you know, you can manage to because you have a hand for each of them. But then once you get to three, you're outnumbered. And my husband and I have just decided that we don't want to be outnumbered. So we're stopping at two. Knock on wood. God willing, right? (laughs) But truly, motherhood changes us, you guys. There is a study that I have linked at the end of, in the show notes of this podcast, that talks about what happens to a mother's brain after giving birth. And it dives really deep into showing how our brains in the months before and the months after, how they develop and how they how they change. There is this portion of our brain called the amygdala and it grows. Like it actually grows inside in size. And they quote for a normal brain, right? So who knows what happens to this portion of the brain for women that are experiencing any kind of trauma or who have had trauma or just have any kind of mood disorder or they're in a different phase of their life, like maybe they're in the midst of a move, or they're in the midst of a major career change, or maybe they just got laid off, like, not just horrific trauma, but any kind of stress to a mom, who knows what that does to their brain. And this specific study just quotes a normal brain. So the typical brain, obviously, barring that none of these other high pressure, high stress circumstances are affecting the hormones in your body, we're just looking at this one specific part, but it is 
it's really, really interesting. So it's like, it's this almond shaped part of your brain that's full of neurons and it helps process memory and it drives the emotional reactions that you have like fear and anxiety and aggression. So when this part of your brain is enlarged, it has more receptors in it and it gets enlarged in the months before and after pregnancy. Okay, so the receptors on it uptake an increased amount of hormones, the specific hormones that we experience during pregnancy and after giving birth, hence postpartum. So each time we look at our babies, there's a small dose of that specific hormone that is released into our body and it's received by the amygdala because there's all these extra receptors on it because it's gotten bigger. So it's just ready to take in all of these chemicals, all of these hormones. And it gives us a positive feeling and a positive reward for us just simply looking at our babies. Hello, human survival, right? I mean, without this insanely intricate design that God knew exactly what he was doing when he did it, who knows where we would be (laughs) and how we would have survived imminent threats that were present every day, right? And this study goes on to talk about the enormous amount of oxytocin that's released when we're breastfeeding mothers and how that plays a huge role in the sensitivity to mothers and their responses to their baby in the first few months of motherhood. And then there's this other super cool part in the study that talks about how it compares what happens in a mother's brain to what happens in any human's brain when they fall in love. Our brains literally light up in the same way on imaging when we have a baby as they do when we fall in love. So I know what you're thinking. Okay, what does all of this mean for surviving the first year of motherhood? Well, I'm going to tell you all about it. So let's dive in to today's episode. Systemize your life with Chelsea Joe. That's me. And this is a podcast for modern women who are eager to live with more meaning and less overwhelm. We're about to tap into some fiercely meaningful relationships, bang in organization and time management strategies, and a rock solid plan for our personal well being with functional systems to those problems we all go through. Girl, If you feel like you're watching life go by from a window on the Hot Mess Express, then it's time to roll up your sleeves, dig in, and get your life out of the chaos and into confidence. Girls, this episode means so much to me. I'm about to tell you so much about me and who I am and how I got this way, it's insane. And I couldn't help but share this story with you guys. I couldn't help but share the specific system that I used with both of my births, with both of my postpartums, even though they were night and day different. I'm going to tell you about how night and day different they were and how I still depended on these four essentials to get me through both of them. I think it's so important to remember that whenever we talk about these studies and we look at studies online, and I do hope that you click on the link in my show notes and 
you read through this study because even if you are done having children, what an amazing way for you to mentor other women who are still giving birth and plan to give birth in the future. If there's any women that you know that are going to have newborns in their life, this is so, so important. This first year of motherhood is hard and it's a bear. My firstborn came to me in the middle of some serious negative emotional abuse. And I know for a fact that it affected my ability to bond with her. And when we look at all these studies and they talk about a normal brain and our brain looks like it's falling in love when we give birth to a baby, um, just the same as it does whenever we're falling in love, you know, in our personal lives. Well, I didn't quite experience that. And, you know, I was in survival mode every day of my life. I loved my baby. Like I loved her and I protected her and I wanted to care for her all of my life, but I did not fall in love. I was worried every single day of my life. My brain's sole focus every single day was surviving, not thriving. I was surviving in that time in my life. And my brain's ability to solely focus on falling in love, it wasn't there. It just wasn't something that I could do. And I know I'm not alone in that. And I know that it doesn't take you being in an extremely negative relationship for that to be the case. Other people have had trauma in their past that affects that. Other people, like I had mentioned in the intro of of this podcast, like you could just be in a really high stress situation. So many women experience these feelings. They experience postpartum depression or anxiety and they develop obsessive compulsive disorders and it all stems from what and how we are taking care of ourselves and in what environment we're in when we have babies. I know that it's really steep to say that all of this can be surrounded by how we take care of ourselves, but I truly believe it. I was one of these, I was one of those women in in that time in my life with my first pregnancy and my first birth and postpartum that believed that I didn't have a choice. You know, I stayed for years and allowed myself to be told horrible things, horrible things about who I was because I didn't have a choice. I left four times before I ever left for good. I left with my baby and I came back. I left with my baby and I came back. I left with my baby and I came back because I didn't have a choice. But the reality is I had a choice. I didn't know how to handle the choices that I had. I needed help and I had to search high and low to find the resources I needed for me in that time of my life. Surviving motherhood for me with my first child, wow. I was incredibly blessed with an amazing career. I thank God every day of my life for the career that I have now and for the career that rode me through. It gave me the financial stability and freedom to medically care for me and my daughter in a way that so many people don't get to experience. I am forever grateful for that. It also allowed me to feed myself organic food and allowed me to nourish myself so that I could breastfeed my baby just the way that I wanted to. I had family and friends there to help me survive that first year of motherhood through all of the tears. They listened to me cry for years, you guys. Surviving that first year looked so different in my brain than it did with my second. 
I made different choices and I started to take care of myself in the way that I was supposed to be taking care of myself all along. And I was in a completely different situation in my second time around into motherhood. I was married and I'm still married to a God-fearing man that cherished me when I was pregnant and at my birth. He cherished my purpose. He cherished the way that I wanted to bring my daughter into this world. He respected my birthing process. He respected the healing that needed to happen after I gave birth emotionally and physically and mentally. I gave birth in my home with zero fear. I was safe. I fell in love with my baby the way that that study shows a mom can. My brain was experiencing motherhood in a completely different way the second time around than it did the first time around. And now that I sit and I look back on that experience, I know that regardless, I still depended on four incredibly essential parts every single day of my life to be able to thrive and to survive. The first time around looked a lot more like surviving, and the second time around looked a lot more like thriving. And I'm sure I'm probably not alone in that. I think a lot of first-time moms really do just survive, and then the second and third and fourth time, you begin to thrive a bit more. And that is what this episode is about. I want you guys to know that there are levels that surviving can look like thriving. There are resources, there are tools, there are tips, and there are tricks, but there are also fundamentals. There are fundamental needs that you just cannot get away from having. So today I'm going to tell you what these four essentials are that I used And I'm going to give you links and resources to use for yourself or for you to give to other moms if you're not in this season of life anymore. I want you to take everything that you learn in this episode and I want you to share it. I want you to share it with your friends. I want you to tag me and then screenshot it. Tag me in your stories and Instagram. And if you take anything away from today, or from any of the other episodes that you listen to, I would absolutely love it if you would leave me a review. It brings me the greatest amount of joy to sit in my closet and record episodes and pour my heart and soul out for my life experiences and bring you every bit of knowledge and all of my systems. And the way that you can let me know that you are loving it is to write me a written review. So how about we get to these four essentials? For those of you that have been around for a while, you know that my biggest essential for all of life, but especially surviving the first year of motherhood, is sleep. Now, you guys know I'm obsessed with this, and we also know that newborns are not. Well, actually, newborns sleep a lot. They just don't sleep when you want them to, right? So my first time around into motherhood, I did the breastfeeding on demand and that meant that I was going to co-sleep and that meant that I was going to just give her milk whenever she needed it. And that happened. I didn't end up co-sleeping because I couldn't sleep that way, but I still got up every time she needed to be fed. And little did I know that it was really just that she needed comfort as the months went on. But I was like, no, she needs to be fed. She's hungry. And so I did that. And I was a walking zombie for 
13, 14 months until I finally slept through the night. It was like a solid year, almost year and a half. And it was horrible. She also depended on me to go down for naps, either me breastfeeding her or a car ride. Those were our options. And it was hard, but I still made sure that I went to bed at a decent hour every single night and that I prioritized my sleep. I took naps when I needed to. I really made sure that sleeping was happening. So there is that option. Now, I met a lot of other moms that had been much more experienced in quote unquote sleep training. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I will never let my baby cry. I'm a good mother. You are not. (laughs) And then I have my second child and I learned of this amazing woman called Kara, C-A-R-A. And she has a company called Taking Kara Babies. And it changed my life and it will change yours. If you are about to have a baby or if your baby has been born and is in the first year of life, please, for the love of all things, do yourself a favor and do not buy coffee for the rest of the month and buy yourself one of her courses. It was the best money I've ever spent in all my life, in all my life. I mean, I really love the course I bought that taught me how to do a podcast but it still does not hold a candle to the course that I purchased from Kara and taking care of babies. I purchased this sleep training course when my daughter was a newborn. And I actually took the course in person, but she also does it online. I'm just lucky enough to live in the same town as her where she gives live um, trainings. So I went to her with my two-week-old baby and my husband, and we learned how to give her sleeping skills so that we never, ever, ever had to let her cry it out. My daughter, I got to hold on to the honor badge of I am a good mother and I will never let my baby cry. I'm totally not shaming any of you that do that because I get it. Um, So, Point being, my I learned the skills that I needed to allow all of us to sleep. And by eight weeks, Bailey was born three weeks early, so she was a little bit behind the 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 typical. At six weeks, she'll sleep six hours a night. Seven weeks, she'll sleep seven hours a night. Eight weeks, she'll sleep eight hours a night. At about ten weeks, she was sleeping eight hours a night, and I was getting eight hours of sleep every night. Uh, and her naps were super awesome. And I just, I learned how to teach her to self-soothe. I learned, and I breastfed her too. I breastfed her on demand. Uh, we just did a, a flip-flop, right, of when I was breastfeeding her. I wasn't breastfeeding her to sleep. I was breastfeeding her when she woke up so that she could have the milk that she needed and then she would play and then she would soothe herself to sleep. And we did that. And it was the best decision that I ever made in all of my life. And it is absolutely, absolutely like you must, you must. (laughs) I don't like to tell people what to do, but no joke, you guys. I've had so many friends. Oh, you're just blessed with good sleepers. Mm, I'm telling you, anybody that I know that has ever taken this lady's course, her children become good sleepers. Like they all learn. Some of them learn a lot easier than others, but I got so much sleep the second time around, way more sleep than the first one. 
that that is why I thrived instead of survived because I was able to get incredibly consistent sleep from the get-go. It didn't take me 13 months to start getting good sleep. I was never a walking zombie. I was able to nurture my other kiddos and my new marriage and yes, sleep, you guys. And if you don't, if you don't take my advice and you don't decide to use a sleep consultant to teach you how you can all, everybody in your family be getting adequate sleep from a very, 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 like even in the fourth trimester, you can be doing this. Even if you don't do that, you still need to find a way to prioritize your sleep. If you are completely against it, then be completely open to taking naps. You have got to get yourself good sleep in that first year of motherhood. All right. The second essential is understanding self-care. It is absolutely essential that you understand how to take care of yourself when you have a newborn, when you have an infant, when you have a baby, anywhere from zero to 12 months and and further on. But today we're just going to talk about in those first 12 months. It's so important that during postpartum, you know what's coming to you. You know what kind of underwear you're going to need when you come home from the hospital. You know what kind of tank tops that you need so that you can nurse laying down or sitting up and what kind of like just even being able to care for my modesty and still feel comfortable breastfeeding out in public, that is what I mean when I say you need to understand how to take care of yourself. I bought high-waisted nursing pants so I could pull my shirt up and my stomach was never exposed. These aren't just like high-waisted like workout fabletic pants. They came all the way up to my sports bra. And so all I had to do, well, my nursing bras, all I had to do was lift up my shirt and I was completely covered. And then I could just unsnap my nursing bra, right? And and knowing that was something that made it so easy for me to get my motherhood jobs done. I had a system for how I was going to breastfeed in public, you guys. Other moms are just like, I don't care. I'm just going to show it to the world. But that's not me. I'm incredibly modest and I do I I needed to know how I was going to take care of that. I also needed to know how I was going to shower and you need to know how you're going to shower. Bathe. Bathe. You have to bathe when you have a newborn baby. Remember this thing that we talked about how looking at them, how how just sitting and staring at them releases good vibes and good feelings. And it overrides our desire to bathe. And you will go seven days without showering if you don't make yourself take a shower. Like, this is not a joke. Like, there are not memes on the internet for no reason. It is so for real. You guys have to know how to care for your physical well-being. If you have sutures when you come from the hosp- come home from the hospital, what do you need to take care of that? If you had a C-section, what do you need to be able to heal? What do you need to be able to heal your diastasis recti? What do you need to be able to heal your pelvic floor? Like you have to prioritize taking care of yourself, growing, birthing a human, growing and birthing. Let me say that again. Growing a human inside of your abdomen and then birthing it. You got to take care of that. Like you got to take care of it and 
Pinterest your life away. I don't care what that is. I I chose to do a belly bind after my second pregnancy, not my first one, because it wasn't it it wasn't as mainstream. Belly binding has been around for centuries, but it just hadn't become super mainstream. And so I took care of myself in that way. Like sit down and talk to other moms. Find a motherhood mentor that will talk to you about what you could possibly need in that first year and in those those first, I don't know, few months, few weeks, whatever you need to do to feel like you are prepared to take care of yourself, make it a point to make that happen. And you have to think to yourself, what do I need to take care of myself? Be okay to tell your husband or your boyfriend or your mom, whoever it is, I need help with and tell them what you need help with. Ask for help. Have someone watch your kiddo so that you can take a shower, so that you can have five minutes by yourself. It's okay to look and research and know how to take care of yourself. And it is more than okay that you ask for the time that you need to be able to get that done. All right, survival essential number three, food. Eat. Eat, you guys. Eat clean, healthy food. I told you guys in Instagram the other day I was going to start dropping some crunch up in here because mama be crunchy. I'm crunchy and I'm not like insane, but I'm pretty crunchy. And I feel like it is vital that you understand how much faster you are going to heal if you feed yourself whole food. And in the first year of motherhood, if you are not prioritizing what you are eating and how you are giving nutrients to your body, you are going to burn out. You're going to suffer from postpartum depression. You are going to have anxiety. You are going to have mood disorders if you do not fuel yourself with whole food. No more sugar cut the process crap, no more dyes, no more fake ingredients. You have got to start reading the labels on what you're eating and stop eating fake food. Your body, when growing and birthing and raising humans, is the only tool you have to be able to sustain. First of all, if you're breastfeeding, this is an absolute, like, There is no question you have to do this because you are giving all of your nutrients away every day. And not only do they need those whole food nutrients, your baby, yes, but you cannot sustain breastfeeding if you are not feeding yourself. You have got to feed. Guys, I have goosebumps. Smoothies. Let me get off that soapbox and tell you smoothies. I did a smoothie every morning of my life. I still do. And I put a collagen powder in it. I love Dr. Axe's collagen powder. And I loaded it up. I put the peanut butter in it and the spinach in it and the almond milk. And then my chocolate protein powder and a half a banana. Sometimes a whole banana. Every single morning. Every morning. It was like a huge wham of 450 calories I think I calculated at one point. And I needed that for breastfeeding. You guys might not need all those calories. Um... So 
you can figure out what you want in your smoothie, but whole foods in your smoothie, that extra protein is super vital for you building back what's been lost after growing and birthing a human. Okay. So whatever you need to do to make sure that you have food ready and prepared for you, that is what you have to do. Make meal planning a part of your life. Go listen to my meal planning episode. Get that down and under control. If you are in a position where you are preparing to have a baby, you absolutely need to have meals prepped and ready to go in your freezer. You need a list of all of the fast food restaurants that you love with what you like from there. So when somebody says, hey, can I come over and see you, your baby? You say, yes, but can you bring me this? I would love for you to bring me this. And you know exactly what that is. Your husband, your spouse, your mom, anybody, you have it on hand to tell them, this is the restaurant that I like. This is what you can get for me. Know what you like from Trader Joe's. Know your favorite pre-made meals from Sprouts or Whole Foods or whatever grocery store you go to. Prioritize giving yourself whole nutrients through food. Have bars on hand. It is unbelievably vital that you have good snacks available, not just veggies. Veggies are fantastic. Yes, have veggies. But in addition to you need to have something with protein and you need to have good fats. If you don't have avocados in your refrigerator in the first year of motherhood, something is wrong. Something's gone terribly wrong. (laughs) Avocados are life, friends. And while I'm talking about food, can we just say water? (laughs) Yes, water is in the food category, right? That is essential. And I didn't save it for last because it was least important. I saved it for last because it is most important. Um, You need to make sure that you have a ginormous cup with a straw in it. So if you give birth in a hospital, they will give you one of those huge cups, mugs, things like a mug with a handle and a straw. You need to blow through water every single day. If it is decaffeinated and doesn't have sugar or carbonation in it, you can count it as part of your hydration. So any kind of herbal tea that is safe for breastfeeding, obviously you're going to want to check into that if you're nursing. Um, But I always just did, and then you could flavor your waters too with just fruit of any kind. I always used some sort of flavoring to break up the amount of water I was getting in the day because it just got boring after a while. So um Obviously, lemon water is a favorite, but I really, really liked cucumber and mint. And in Arizona, it's super, super, super hot. So the cucumber has like this really awesome cooling effect. That was one of my favorites. But any store that you um, shop at will have some kind of herbal tea for you and just find one that you like to make sure that you are getting the amount of water that you need. So for sure, you need to have a cup with a straw because it studies have found like it prove it's been proven that you will drink more water if you have a cup with a straw. Okay, moving on to the fourth most essential way to survive motherhood. And you guys are not going to believe this one. <laughs> but it is baby wearing. Wear your baby. Yeah. I would not have survived. Like I legit would not have survived. Just like pull me straight out of some developing country because I walked around with a baby on my back or on my front like most of the time with both kids. It didn't even matter. 
Um, there are so many different options for wearing your baby. It's insane. And I know it can be overwhelming, but don't be overwhelmed. If you were listening to this episode and you're like, I don't even know where to begin, but I really want to wear my baby, please, please, please DM me for all of the free consultation on baby wearing. I am so unbelievably passionate about baby wearing. It's nuts. Actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I might just do a podcast episode on baby wearing (laughs) because there's so much to tell you about it. All I need to tell you about this is if you want to survive motherhood, you need to wear a baby. And if you want, wear your baby. And if you want to thrive in motherhood, you need to invest in a high quality, like a high quality carrier. Now, let me tell you what my favorites are. When, well, hold on, I'll tell you my favorites at the end. First of all, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why it's so important to wear your baby. You get your life back. That's why your hands are free and your baby's not crying. Your baby feels you and you feel your baby. You're getting time to connect. They're getting direct exposure to language and your hands are free. So you can still do the dishes. You can still do the laundry. You can still sweep the floors. You can still vacuum. You can still pick up. You can still grocery shop. You can still do everything. I wore my babies in my house more than I did out of the house. This is not like, oh, we're going out and... I don't really want to push them around the entire time. So I'm going to wear them. No, I'm talking wear your baby all the time. Wear your baby while you're putting your makeup on. Wear your baby while you're doing one-on-one activities with your other kiddos in the house. It is so important. And that when in those first few months, it was skin to skin all the time. My husband even wore her from time to time because you're just able to do life You can literally do life the same as you did it before if you wear your baby. I don't think I really need to say anything other than the fact that you literally get your life back. So let's move on to what my favorite ones are. Okay, so there are soft carriers and there are structured carriers. I absolutely suggest having both. I used, and there are are slings as well, which I did not care for, but I have friends that love them and I know that they work fantastic. That's just a personal preference. I love, love, love my soft carriers. For my first one, I went with a Moby wrap and I actually made it myself because I couldn't afford the Moby wrap. So you can just search on Pinterest DIY Moby wrap and you can go down and buy yourself the the right kind of material. Um, And I went to an outlet Uh, material house and I bought some really awesome jersey fabric and my mom and I sewed one up and then uh, for the second one I got a Moby wrap and that one was super super hot so I got a Solly wrap instead and it was buttery soft and stinking amazing the most incredible purchase ever and these are the kinds of wraps that are just like super super long sheets of fabric and you watch a video on how to wrap yourself up in it, and it seems very daunting and overwhelming. Was there a slight learning curve for my very first one? Yes, there was. But you know what? It was hands down so worth it. It was comfortable and my baby was secure. She was also ergonomically positioned, both of them were, so that their hips didn't experience any issues. And so they had proper space for them to breathe. I could also breastfeed when I was wearing them. 
There's just so much about it that I loved. And I learned, you know, before I go out of the house, so I'm not wrapping in the parking lot of the grocery store, I just wrapped myself at home. And then I put the baby in the car and then I got in the car. And so then whenever I got out at the grocery store, my wrap was already ready. I just put the baby in. We went into the store. It was super easy. Then as she got much older and much bigger and I wore her on my back much more often, I switched to a structured carrier. And for my first one, I did um, one different than I did with my second one. And I love the one that I have for my second one so much. I had the Beco, B-E-C-O for my first and it was awesome. It worked great. I gifted it to another mom. It just didn't have all the bells and whistles that I wanted on it. So for the second one, I got the Lily, L-I-L-L-E, baby carrier and I loved it because they have so many different options for material. I got the solid mesh one so that obviously because in Arizona it is hotter than hot even in the winter time when you're wearing a baby it's pretty warm and it had a pocket and it carried on the hip, carried on the front, carried on the back, front and forward and and mom facing and outward facing. Um and it had it just it had everything. It had everything that I wanted loved it and was totally worth the investment. If you need any other information, obviously all of this will be in the show notes so that you can click on it. You can find the links. But if you are in a position right now where you're like, I need, I need more. (laughs) We need to talk. Then please come over to Instagram and send me a DM. I am so there for you. And if you are a mom that made it this far in this podcast that is not in this season of life, please know that it is vitally important that you take this information and you mentor another mom with it. There's a there's a funny phrase that people say, it takes a village, but there are no villages anymore. And we can start to create those. If there are people in your immediate space around you that are pregnant or have little ones, Please share this information. Share the information that you have. Share what you learned about motherhood. Be her village. Be a source of information for her. Because there are no villages anymore. Our villages are Instagram. And that is not personal connection. Learning from Pinterest and learning from podcasts and learning from blog posts are awesome. But we need mentors We have got to either find ourselves a mentor or become a mentor. We have to. That is the way that we stay connected. That is the way that we not only survive, but thrive. And if you're in a position where you need a mentor and you don't have anybody, come over and tell me that. I am here to be mentors to people. I have motherhood productivity sessions for you to help you. I'm also just there in my DMs if you have a question that you want to ask me. Seek someone out in your church. If you are done raising your babies, if you're out of your first year of motherhood and you're never going back, never going back, find someone close to you in your community, in your church, in your kiddos' small little play group and and talk to them. Don't be afraid to offend them. It's okay if they don't do what you do. Just tell them hey, I have information and I'm here to be a resource for you because I know it's hard. Hey, before you go, if today's episode was meaningful to you, I know it will be for others. So please head over to iTunes, subscribe, then leave a review so more women can join our community too. And did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the women in your life? That's right. 
All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of this very podcast, tag me, and post it in your stories. What do you say we make a mighty breadcrumb trail for all the other women around us so we can make a change to the culture of how we care for each other and ourselves? I'll look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. Until next time on Systemize Your Life with Chelsea Joe.